City Quick Connect podcast is brought to you by the Municipal Association of South Carolina. Hey everybody, it's Casey Field, your manager for municipal advocacy at the Municipal Association of South Carolina, and welcome to another edition of City Quick Connect podcast, legislative edition. Welcome my partner in crime, Scott Flatten, to the show. Hello, Casey. It's great to be back. As hey, usual. great, great to have you back. I'm just glad this fits in your schedule, man. It's, I know every week it's questionable, but every week we manage to make it work. I always have time for you and this fabulous podcast. Absolutely. Well, I'm thrilled about this. So we, last week at the State House, some big issues came in and out of the House and Senate. We want to kind of recap what happened last week and then talk about what we, we see coming up this week. And how we need to, you know, how, how we, where cities and towns are in this. So, Scott, let's start off first by talking about the, the bond bill, the general obligation economic development bond bill that the Senate passed out last Thursday, I believe, or Wednesday, yep. last Wednesday. That bill, they've been debating that for several weeks. It would borrow up to $550 million for port infrastructure and other projects. Do you want to talk a little bit about how that affects cities and towns? Well, it certainly does from an economic development standpoint. Of course, right. cities and towns, and uh, the argument is made, and quite quite rightly, that uh, the port benefits everyone in South Carolina. Now, there were some arguments at the port doesn't benefit everyone equally, which is certainly true, but uh, from an overall economic development standpoint, the entire state benefits from the operation of the port. What the port has done is come to the General Assembly and ask for this uh, this borrowing, this geo bond, so that they can expand the terminals, uh, so that they can change some of the operations that they do in an attempt to get some truck traffic off of uh, 526, I-526 in particular down in Charleston. Right, um, maybe expanding the rail. Is that what right. you're talking about doing? Yeah, okay. expanding the rail, creating a barge system where they, whereby they bring some containers from uh, one one terminal to the next over water rather than over road. Right. So, you know, the, the ports have uh, pitched this as an opportunity for efficiency, but I will say that the – Senate uh, had a long debate, and there were a good number of senators who complained that the port had not been responsive, had not reached out to them individually mm-hmm. to talk about the project. Like and, prior to them debating the yeah, resolution. Yeah. Correct, correct. So there was a lot of discussion and, and um, uh, discouragement about that amongst some of the members, but mm-hmm. they were ultimately able to uh, come to a compromise. They adopted an amendment that uh, would require the port authority to pay back some of that 550 million or some portion of the funds that they borrow. Now, a byproduct of this, and, and it's not insignificant, and we talked about it last week, right. uh, the state ports authority this week signed over to Jasper County government its 50% interest in the Jasper Ocean Terminal, the proposed Jasper Port. And that was a direct result of negotiations on the the overall port uh, bond bill by Senator Tom Davis and mm-hmm. Senator Margie Bright Matthews. That's right. From from Jasper and Beaufort counties and 
you know, it, it was a brilliant piece of uh, negotiation and, and legislation and work by Senators Davis and, and Bright Matthews. And we're really excited about the possibility of the development of that Jasper port for the benefit of those low country cities and towns and counties, particularly Beaufort, Colleton, uh, Jasper, Hampton. Uh, yeah, it's gonna the be, counties it, surrounding the Jasper port. Yeah, yeah, if this thing if this thing comes to fruition, it's going to be a a tremendous boost uh, economically to that part of the state. So uh, now it'll go over to the House uh, now that it's passed the Senate, and we'll see what the House does with it. I'm sure it'll get a lot of debate over there as well. Right. Um, but obviously, there are some things. Most importantly, the budget, the state budget, in front right. of this right. uh, this this port resolution. So we'll just have to see how the timing and the and the negotiations work out. And and before we we talk about one other issue that was another bill that was passed out of the Senate, you great segue into House Ways and Means. That that bond bill will go to the House Ways and Means Committee, but it is arriving behind their budget debate, which is going to happen this week. Um, they are looking to debate their version of the budget um, after receiving. Governor McMaster's executive budget, then they take it and develop their own uh, version of the budget, and then they will work on that this week, pass it out to the full House, and then the full House of Representatives in the weeks following will debate the budget. In in years past, they the full House has usually done it starting on a Monday afternoon, and they've been finished by Wednesday or Thursday. Um, but that will take up that week with no other committee meetings or anything. They devote that week to um, – the budget. So that's what we're looking for. We're, we're starting, you know, the budget process started back in the fall, um, but they're going to continue working on it and House Ways and Means will start this week. So that will start kind of getting warmed up. Um, the engine's already been turned on, but we're going we're gonna to put, put the pedal down a little bit now. Yeah, Ways um, and Means, ways and, means and, and their subcommittees have really been meeting for <laughs> a year. Yeah, exactly. uh, pretty, pretty steadily in reaction to the COVID and all of the uh, the different uh, contingencies that they needed to consider. So they're they're pretty greased up right now. Um, all right, so walk with me back across the lobby back to the Senate real quick, and let's talk about the COVID nineteen liability. I think it's got this long title: Liability Safe Harbor Act. Mm-hmm. The Senate passed that out last Thursday. And tell me, tell me what that does and why were we following it? Because we've been following this bill since it was introduced. Yeah, so this bill would protect uh, public and private entities against claims uh, that could be brought by either employees or customers who uh, want to claim that they caught COVID as a result of being in contact, employed, or a customer of a particular business or a public entity. Um, this bill was uh, debated quite a bit, uh, yeah. particularly in the uh, Senate Judiciary, and then it got was it, it was special order last week, wasn't it? Didn't it? It was. Didn't yeah, it? yeah, it, it got was. it was on the special order calendar, so it was given priority. Um, and there was a there was a lot of debate and some some amendments that were passed that changed some of the standards for pro- providing evidence or proof that uh, you contracted COVID as a result of of the contact uh, as the employer, uh, as the employee or the customer. It went from preponderance 
uh, the preponderance of evidence to clear and convincing evidence, I believe that was something that Senator Shane Massey from Edgefield was, uh, it was interested in. And so they passed that and it got third reading and it will head over to the House where, uh, particularly a lot of business interests are following and pushing this bill and, and they want to see it go forward. And of course, uh, right. with the, with the public entity protections, it provides cities and towns with some measure of protection as well. So, uh, we're, we're obviously supportive of it and we'll, we'll, uh, push it in the House as well. Um, exactly. So then last week we did have a good bit of bills, um, coming in and out of subcommittee and committee. And some of those bills we're tracking just, just to make sure it's not amended to affect cities and towns. And some of those bills, we had to push an amendment because, not because we necessarily are invested in the topic, but the fact that it did have part um, preemption language in them, and, and we were able to catch that and get it get it amended in committee. So reading the reading through the dome last week, it's important to to always look at those committee reports and really see where we are and what uh, what bills are moving through committee and subcommittee. And if one looks like that it's suspicious to you or you don't like it, that's when we need to, to hear from you, not just when it's already been passed and you think you may have a problem with it. Yeah. Um, all of the information is there for folks to consume and uh, raise red flags if they see something that concerns them. If you see right. something, say something right. to, to us. <laughs> nice. You know? Nice. And I like that. Because if we don't hear from you and in our estimation, a bill, uh, doesn't have a, a significant or even any negative effect on cities or towns, or if we're able to, uh, negotiate a, uh, a compromise or some amendments to fix those bills. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we don't hear from you and then they, then they get passed, um, uh, is, this is a, this is a partnership. We need your help. Right. If, That's uh, right. That's right. We need your help. Um, and, and so, but, but oftentimes we catch most of the bad things that come through. Um, That's right. As you, as you mentioned with this, uh, home food production bill, I think it was 506, Senate Bill yeah, 506. Um, this is one that Joni Nickel on our staff is uh, following and working on, and uh, it had a a the last line of the original bill uh, explicitly preempted. It even said this preempts uh, local right. governments local government. from having any regulatory authority over home-based businesses uh, or or these home food production businesses, which of course would blow a hole in home occupation. Uh, zoning, the, the, the zoning ordinances across the state regarding home occupations. And so we sought to preserve that authority and uh, she was able to get a, an amendment put in there thanks to, uh, her work with Senator Thomas McElveen from Sumter. And then of course the right. bill sponsor, Senator Josh Kimbrell from, uh, Spartanburg County. So Spartanburg, right. that's, uh, that bill got out of the full Senate ag and will be on the floor and we'll, we'll keep moving forward. The other thing that that uh, we worked on two things real quickly. Uh, one, three bills dealing with uh, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorders. Right, disorder. um, mm-hmm. The the claims, the mental mental claim. This is what are called the mental mental claims. They're currently uh, state law. Uh, the workers' comp law, states' workers' comp law requires. In order to, for somebody to make a mental, mental claim, 
they have to uh, prove that their PTSD stemmed from a an unusual and or extraordinary event. Mm-hmm. Well, for public safety workers, police officers, EMS, firefighters, and now coroners, um, what what constitutes an extraordinary and unusual event in that line of work? Because there obviously is some expectation that you, as a public safety official, might encounter bad things. You may see mm-hmm. bad things. So is it, can you, can you make that mental, mental claim under workers' comp? There are three bills that seek to allow that. Right. Um, and uh, all three bills are practically identical. And so those were scheduled for a Senate Judiciary Subcommittee meeting last week, and we were uh, on the list to testify at that uh, subcommittee meeting, uh, but they ran out of time, the subcommittee did, and so mm-hmm. we assume that will prob- – that's probably going to be on the on the schedule this week. I haven't looked to see, uh, but uh, Senator Tom Young from Aiken said that it was his intent to try and get back to those uh, – back to that discussion as quickly as possible. So right. we'll be there to testify, certainly – uh, as as employers, as municipal employers, we support public safety. Clearly, uh, we do. Public safety yeah. is always the top priority and, and is a core function of government. And it's always the the you know one of the last things to suffer any sort of budget cut. So that's uh, that's how important it is. But we also understand as employers and 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 taxing authorities that we have to protect the uh, the taxpayer. So. Uh, right. If 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 a public safety exception is made for mental mental claims, then um, that could be extremely expensive in terms of workers' comp uh, premiums, insurance premiums, but then also the long-term uh, indemnity costs uh, that that we would have to sustain. So we're going to make those points in subcommittee. Uh, certainly, I think there are. Uh, extraordinary and unusual circumstances in public safety. Speaking as my, from my personal experiences as having been a firefighter, you see some really bad things and those things could potentially accumulate or, or any right. one really severe event could cause it. Um, but we want to also make sure that the system is not abused. Uh, we want to make sure that that these are uh, that the people uh, that need the help get the help to get the help. But now, of yes. course, w- we already have in place a a uh, right the budget line item. Yeah, the budget line item uh-huh. that provides that provides a half a million dollars for uh, counseling services, for mental health services for firefighters and for police officers through the uh, South Carolina Law Enforcement uh, Assistance Program and um, the uh, the South Carolina Firefighters Association. So if if somebody needs treatment, that is available to them now. What this right. bill, though, is seeking is not necessarily treatment, but compensation if someone is unable to work uh, as a result of their of their PTSD. So we just want to make sure right. that 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 system doesn't get abused um, if, if right. this bill were to pass. Right. Um, Scott, anything else that we need to tackle from last week? Um, I mean, yeah, we'd, be, me, we'd be talking for we'd be talking for two hours if we went through all the well, um, committee and subcommittee well, hearings speak, that we went to. Um, yeah, we don't need to do speak, that. People speaking, probably already. Yeah, speaking of public speaking of public safety, uh, let me talk about the work that Erica Wright on our staff is doing with regard to naloxone or, or Narcan, oh, yeah. which is one of the commercial names for it. She has been working because that's one of our our uh, advocacy initiatives is to uh, it, well. 
supporting law enforcement, but also helping out uh, firefighters in particular. There's, I think we've talked about this before, but there's a little problem uh, whereby licensed, medically licensed fire departments aren't able to get uh, uh, naloxone at right. uh, reasonable rates or even free like non-licensed departments get. They can get it for free through through DHEC, for, through DOTAS. And so we want to try and make naloxone more readily available to those licensed departments. And so she convened a meeting of uh, folks from the, the South Carolina Firefighters Association, from DOTAS, from, and from DHEC to brainstorm and come up with potential solutions for making naloxone more affordable. So mm -hmm. uh, she is continuing to pursue that. She's doing a really good job. And I think we, we had a great discussion with all of those agencies. And, uh, in fact, I saw uh, Chief Charlie King with the Firefighters Association at that PTSD meeting. Right. And we talked, we talked even a little bit more about it. So uh, she's pursuing that. And this is an example, Casey, of course, where – we're not always interested in a legislative solution yes. to a problem, right? That's right. Um, Just because it's is, an advocacy initiative doesn't mean a bill would fix it. Absolutely. That's exactly uh -huh. right. So, so in fact, we prefer non-legislative solutions That's to right. problems. That's <laughs> right. That's exactly so, right. You know, if, if folks are thinking about, oh, how do we solve this problem, don't, don't limit yourself just to the General Assembly. How else uh, can, can we advocate uh, on, on your behalf in Columbia. So um, kudos to her, and uh, we'll we'll keep working on it. And that that's an example of while you 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 see our advocacy initiatives, you may not necessarily see a bill tied to each initiative, but things are going on behind the scenes. If cities and towns say they need this, and I believe it was um, Myrtle Beach that said that they had trouble. I know the opioid crisis has hit Horry County so hard. And they were having trouble getting the locks on for their first responders, for their firefighters and police. And so we jumped on this, and Erica has really worked tirelessly. You know, it was like Joni with this amendment to the food, home food production bill. Both of them, yep. they get yep. on something, and they just work and work and work until they can fix it for cities and towns. And I'm just so thankful that we have these two um, wonderful human beings on our staff now, and sure. I'm just – thrilled that cities and towns have two more loud, very well-respected voices at the state house. Yeah, don't tell them no. Right. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. That's right. Don't tell them no. It, we don't need – if you tell them no, that's just lighting a fire underneath them. So. That's right. Um, word to the wise. That's right. That's right. You know, it's kind of like when my producer tells me that, no, we're not going to take phone calls. That makes me mad, so that's why I just keep bringing it up. I, um, I think anything that's else? A, I think that's a smart, hard no. I think so, just, <laughs> just, too. Just and you know what? I'm taking it as a soft no. So we'll, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll just see what happens. Um, I don't have anything else to talk about, Casey. What? what? Uh, yeah, okay? I'm, I'm all out. I'm all out. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm COVID-free, so every, I'm okay. That's right. And you yeah. still have the antibodies. I do. I was very happy Impressive. about that. Impressive. Gave blood back at the, uh, at the beginning of February and said I still had antibodies. So let's keep rocking. Um, right, exactly. But we're going to keep wearing our masks, washing our hands, social distancing, making good decisions, and everybody can stay healthy. Please remember to read from the Dome to Your Home every Friday. It recaps the week's legislative event. Um, please stay in contact with us, phone, email, text message. We're here whenever you need us. 
to answer questions or help you maneuver through an issue. Everybody stay safe and stay healthy, and we'll talk to you next week. The City Quick Connect podcast is one of several ways the Municipal Association keeps you informed of the opportunities and issues impacting South Carolina cities and towns. Learn more at www.masc.sc and stay up to date with the association's latest happenings on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.